Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is the life of a famous paranormal investigator actually like? How do ghost cases develop? Are people less reluctant to talk about their paranormal experiences today than they were 40 or 50 years ago? Hello, and welcome to the 908th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, coming to you from WOON, AM, and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app, from TalkStream Live, on YouTube, and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben, and those shadowy questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. And today we uh, welcome back one of the biggest and best-known names in paranormal research. John Zaffis has over 43 years' experience investigating the paranormal. and nephew and understudy of famous ghost hunters Ed and Lorraine Warren, John specialized in studying demons and cases of possession and exorcism, working with prominent exorcists in the field, including Roman Catholic priests, monks, Buddhists, rabbis, and ministers. John has assisted and worked with well-known exorcists Bishop Robert McKenna, Father Malachi Martin, and the Reverend Yuan, I believe it's pronounced. He has also worked extensively with spiritualists and psychics. The author of a number of books and DVDs, John has researched cases and lectured throughout North America and the UK, is an avid collector of paranormal artifacts, and is well-known in the media. He has featured in the sci-fi television series Haunted Collector, Discovery Channel documentaries, A Haunting in Connecticut, and Little Lost Souls, along with numerous other productions and publications. John's website, johnzaffis.com. So, John Zaffis, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. I think he's still muted. No, he's not muted. Okay. Can you hear us, John? Uh, hold, please. Okay, wait a minute. You should be able to hear us now. Ah, there's... Oh, there we go. Well, what did you do? Uh, well, you see, on yeah, this on is where it gets end. like a seance, you know. Can you well, hear me, John? Well, you see, Dad, the mysteries of radio are uh, they're they're quite they're quite mysterious, and um, there was a switch that should have been flipped, and it was not flipped. Well, we and, flipped. Uh, we found cool. it, and here we are. So, John, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Hi, how are you? Hey, you know, now that we, everything's functioning, we're we're great. <laughs> yes, the blood pressure is going down. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So I guess we'll we'll just uh, jump right into it. Um, so a question that that I often hear from people, or you know, or or you know, things that are asked to my dad is, what's the scariest thing that has ever happened to you in in your paranormal research? I think it's the the fact of uh, witnessing and seeing something come down a staircase that you know. Uh, it was very murky. It was very, you know, large. It had a very foul odor to it. And it was just something that approached. And as, as it was approaching, it was just verifying to me at that point in time that these things, you know, exist. They do occur. They do happen. So I, I, that was the one thing. And that's uh, this month, August. I believe it's 30, 30 years yeah, thirty some odd years. Oh, wow. That um, I witnessed that uh, that long, long ago, and it's always stuck with me. I can remember it as clear as day. So mm. it's uh, just uh, those types of things. You just never forget them. Yeah, well, where did that? Where did that happen, John? That happened in the haunting in Connecticut. Oh, okay. And, uh, That's the one they made yeah. the movie out of. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. 
Um, okay, so uh, I'm going to take a walk down memory lane here. All right. And um, John is one of the people I wish I had known better over the years, but I first met him, if memory serves, and that's saying a lot of my... Uh, I believe we first met in 1974. You were 19, I was 21, and we met in the living room of Ed Lorraine Warren, your aunt and uncle, and um, I, I didn't, as far as I can recall, I didn't see you again until 1998 when we were on a TV show together, all right, uh, in Connecticut, and uh, I was uh, I was nervous about meeting you again because, uh, you know, and Lorraine and I didn't, well, we didn't, we didn't, you know, really part on the best terms, but... Um, you know, we parted peacefully, but we parted. And uh, at the after 1978, I had no communication with them uh, be, uh, after that. So uh, I was nervous about meeting you. I said, "Oh gosh, is there going to be any kind of sour grapes or anything else?" And you turned out to be the nicest guy in the world. And we had so much fun on that show. I don't know if you even remember it, but um, it was a call-in TV trying show. To. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to. Uh I'm trying to remember it, and it's not jogging uh, my memory. But uh, Paul, I always get intrigued and in everything because uh, you know people say, "Yo, know, I remember meeting you up there. Remember meeting you up there." Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, uh, one one conversation that made me laugh was this uh, Jeff Blanchard. Um, as a kid, he goes, "I remember meeting you. You were standing there in the kitchen." And I go, "I don't remember meeting you." He goes, "Oh, it was you. You had real long hair all the way down your back and." <laughs> <laughs> you guys were talking about food in the kitchen there, and you were bringing something up your mother cooked. I went, okay, then. That happened. <laughs> well, we're both Connecticut natives, and, and I've gone back to the old country, as I refer to it, uh, Connecticut, and I'll be walking down the street in East Hartford when my mother was still there, and I would meet people and have long, chatty conversations about the old days, and I had no idea whatsoever who they were. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I get, that kind of happens in life. So... <laughs> Well, let's go through, if you would, some of your weirdest cases. Now, now I have to point out to the audience that, that uh, just like Ro- Rosemary Ellen Guiley and John uh, did me the honor of asking uh, me to write the forward to one of their books, uh, Demon Haunted, and um, we, we agree on two things. We're great friends, and it's Sunday, okay? But we, we have always <laughs> kind of respectfully... Uh, taking you know different approaches to the paranormal, and you know who knows who's right. I mean, you know, we 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 respectfully uh, agree to disagree at times. So, so John, tell us about your, your most fascinating cases, the ones where you learned, you felt you learned the most, or that that had the most effect on people. I think uh, uh, the majority of the time when I, when I look at things, or uh, I, I'm one to evaluate everything. I don't take everything at face value. You know, um, when dealing with this, now again, um, I think we all evolve. If you don't evolve, then right, you, right. There, there, there's an issue there. We're looking at things where many years ago, if somebody got scratched or they got pushed, right away we'd be like, oh, okay, it's something demonic. I don't necessarily look at things from that perspective today anymore. You know, if the, uh, you're dealing and interacting with human spirit, uh, if it was a nasty uh, person in life, they're going to be nasty in spirit form. So I think with that, in understanding it and watching it, but I think the best thing I've walked away with, uh, Paul, is the fact of 
working with so many different cultures, different belief systems, different practices, it gives you a better understanding on how to evaluate things, how to look at things. If you're dealing with somebody from a Christian perspective, you have to handle it one way. You're dealing with somebody that might be, you know, doing it from Judaism, I'm going to look at it a little differently. Or Native American, pagan, Wiccan, you know, again, um, with all the different belief systems, I have to take into consideration and look at things on what people believe in, what they don't believe in, or what is going to end up happening. Now, I'm hitting 47 years being involved in the field. I think today, just like most people, I still question a lot of things. I still try to figure out how certain things happen because there's so much that we just do not quite comprehend or understand how things occur, how they happen, but they do. And the key factor is when you witness stuff, I think that's something that I look at more and hold on to more than anything else. You can hear a story, you know, about a teacup flying across a kitchen table. But until you witness something like that or you see that happen in front of you, that changes the perspective of it. And it changes it to the perspective of you finally witnessed it, you see it. It's no longer just a story. Now it's a part of your reality. Mm. Okay, uh, Ben, did you want to jump in here? I'm... Hogging the conversation. No, I'm, I'm formulating questions. Okay. That is, that's what we're working on here. Yeah, I think that, that, that is one of the most aspects is, you know, taking people where they are. And I, I certainly agree that you have, you have to do that. And uh, take keep in mind their belief systems. I mean, if you go charging in with, uh, you know, crosses and holy water, as we all did or used to do, uh, then you know, the, the people are Muslims or, or have some other belief system, you know, it's not, it's not going to work. And uh, no. so... When it comes to exorcisms, however, um, it was 1973 when I was involved in that. I was I was in the seminary, and much to my surprise, at my in my, in my uh, tender age, uh, the diocesan exorcist in Augsburg, New York, who was uh, who lived in my seminary, uh, got me involved in uh, you know after a lot of prep in assisting him at the state hospital with some exorcisms there. And it was uh, quite the shock. Uh, I'd known your aunt and uncle already for a year. Matter of fact, they, they came up to the seminary at the, their own expense to speak. And they, they met and talked, uh, or at least Ed did, with, with Father Lawrence, the, the exorcist. And Because mm-hmm. uh, I know it was all very hush-hush what we were doing. But uh, I just, well, you know me, I, ju- I just, I, it, I don't take things at face value either. And it was like, something is wrong here. This, 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 this interpretation isn't good enough. So that was one of my first impressions. But but what about exorcisms in, in your experience? You've probably been involved a lot more than I ever was uh, with that sort of thing. Um, who are the sorts of people who are the exorcists that we mentioned in your bio, like um, the monks or uh, there was Father yeah. Alphonsus Trebold, I know, was close with uh, your aunt and uncle. I did, did, there's, there's so many, Paul, that... You know, I've worked with over the course of the years, uh, Buddhists, rabbis, ministers, priests, shamans, medicine men, witches, and with uh, getting involved with all that, I think one of the, the most uh, curious things that I walk away from all of this is watching a rabbi or a Buddhist when they start 
performing the cleansing or the ritual of deliverance, whatever you want to call it, how powerful and how strong some of the elements that they bring in to do to be able to break something and to clear it. Um, I, I believe that's what you're asking me. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, um, going across the board, there's so many of them. I just never bring their names up or anything. That That's something I always look for. Um, you know, not so much today because, because we're in a, another whole world with with a lot of things as far as doing deliverances or exorcisms over people. You know, you got to be more guarded. you got to be more cautious. Uh, I think we have a better understanding a lot of times of a lot of the things that need to be ruled out, Paul. You know, years ago, uh, people didn't really take too much into consideration uh, the simple fact of, uh, you know, uh, is this person on, you know, different types of medications, mental illness, alcoholism, abuse. Those are all critical things I take into consideration oh, yeah. before I usually jump in and in getting involved, you know, saying, quote, unquote, you know, a person needs a deliverance or an exorcism. No, oh, exactly, yeah. Well, that would be the thing at the state hospital that uh, we would look at, you know, are things happening outside the patient? Are things flying off shelves on the other side of the room in the presence of doctors and hospital staff? That was uh, sort of a uh, a key giveaway in that situation. Mm-hmm. Is there a, is there, well, I guess we're, we're going we're gonna to probably say the answer is yes to, to the question I'm about to ask, which is, is there... I'm not going to say a difference because there is a difference between you know some some sort of you know for lack of better words a spiritual thing versus you know a mental illness or something. But is there is there a separation of the two? Can something just be one thing? Yeah, I, I think what Ben's saying. Do you have you encountered entanglement between mental illness? And uh, what's commonly known right. as demonic activity. So, so in other words, it's right? So let's have. so let's say um, you know we we have a client uh, who's an alcoholic, but there's actual poltergeist activity going on, right? Do we just say, well, he's an alcoholic, whatever? You know, we're just going to leave him to to his business, or is there a connection between the two? There can be. Um, again, I believe there, there's so much that we don't uh, understand when it comes into the mind itself, the brain. Um, I do believe very strongly in uh, psychic kinetic energy. Uh, can a person in a altered state, uh, whether it's alcoholism or drug abuse, um, have a supernatural or paranormal activity combining in with that? Yes, I mean... You know, even if uh, we just look back over history, you know, how many times uh, we hear about people being in an altered state, you know, uh, at some different types of ceremonies and Native American traditional type things and some really powerful supernatural things occur and happen at it. So, therefore, I, I take a lot of that in to try and comprehend and understand it, but it has to be handled you know, in a situation where, okay, if this person has an alcohol problem, that has to be addressed. We have to, uh, you know, something has to be done. That person has to take responsibility 
on deciding what they're going to be able to do because both things could be affecting it. Or it could be just a plain situation where you're dealing with a person, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, when they're high, for a better way of saying it, uh, they just got things occurring and things could be happening and it could just be plain psychological. Mm. There's a very thin line sometimes with uh, looking, you know, uh, at a situation and determining when something could be legit and something could just be, you know, people are ticky ticky tock tock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's, um, I think, something that uh, leads into another question, which is, um, uh, and I'm sure, again, the answer is yes, but I'd like to hear your take on it. Things used to be simpler in this. You know, my first case, 1970, was uh, we had a couple of Instamatic Kodak cameras, which were high-tech at the time, (laughs) uh, cassette tape recorder, and a couple of notepads, things like that. Uh, and then if you're dealing with people, usually you could sit down, just give them the advice, tell them what you think, maybe talk to their, their clergy if they had any, whatever. But today, you know, the guy says, um, oh, the, the, the welt on the kid's back came from the poltergeist. Well, you don't know that. You have to call child services or you could be in, tra- you know, that sort of thing. What, what's been it's your a whole, experience? a whole different game. Yeah, yeah. Could you, could you comment on that, please? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it, Wow, Paul, you're, you're making me, you know, going back to time where I can remember, you know, we'd, we'd get a telephone call or something from an individual, and we'd go out immediately, go and investigate to see what was going on, what was happening, trying to figure out, you know, okay, is it paranormal? We're looking for something logical. Is there, you know, a squirrel running around up in the attic? Can't just do that today. There, there, there's so much that uh, prep work, I call it prep work now. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, um, if you're going in and you're investigating, you have to look at things, you know, you have to rule out immediately, okay, are we dealing with alcoholism, you know, drug abuse, spousal abuse, are there, you know, anything going on with the kids, is there so many obstacles have to come into play before I would actually get involved today with doing something, let alone just jumping forward with getting involved with having someone go in and do a deliverance or an exorcism, because now that's another whole new issue that we have to deal with. And another whole thing that we didn't take into consideration years ago, we were looking at it as just moving forward with trying to help a person. Today, you got to be even more guarded and more careful because, boom, right away you can end up in a whole situation that could go down a legal road. That's right. So, it, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a different world today, totally different world. Yeah. When uh, Let's assume, you know, you've you jumped through the hoops you need to jump through and you realize that there's something paranormal going on and you, and you need to do something. How do you approach uh, the situation when there are children involved? In other words, in our, in our experience, very often the parents say, "Well, we said we don't. We saw these things, but we don't tell the children, you know. And we don't, you know, we're trying to protect them from this." But I said, I usually say, children see everything, so mm-hmm. I always advocate that they be honest. What's your approach to that? I find it a, a little difficult when when somebody says that to me. Okay, again, yeah. you're living in the house, you got the kids there. Kids see all. I remember being a kid. You know, there, there was plenty I've seen, you know, 
again, and I, I can remember my parents or somebody saying, you know, oh, we didn't even know you heard that or you, you seen that. Yeah. Again, kids know a lot more than you realize then. But on the flip side of that today, I think parents are a lot more open with the kids today than they ever were before. Hmm. I, I find a lot of parents talk more openly about things that are occurring, things that are happening. I think I've seen where parents, you know, if they do got something going on, they will try to just get a good feel for what is happening. Now, the other part to that, too, is if it's a child that's experiencing things and the parents aren't, I think the parents are more apt to investigate, if you will. They start to dig in trying to figure out, okay, can this be something happening on a supernatural level or is my child having, you know, an emotional problem? Do I need to take them in for counseling? I see a lot more of that today than I do anything else. Ah, yeah. Okay, let's, uh, okay, we got some time before our break. Let's move to a question from a listener, uh, our um, very good friend of the show from Bogota, Colombia, Peter Shelley, who uh, we use his last name because he's actually co-hosted. His cover was blown at that point. So, um, Ben, if you'd uh, share the questions with us, please. Sure thing. Uh, so the first question is, uh, have you ever investigated any cases where paranormal phenomena and UFOs are both reported? And if so, can you share uh, some of the most interesting examples? I think one of the, yeah, I, yes, absolutely. There, there are so many close parallels to, uh, you know, dealing with these things as far as, you know, okay, a, a good example, you know, um, with UFOology, cryptology, or any of those things, I'm fascinated by all that because these are all things we can't rule out. So again, when somebody tells me they see a little, you know, gray shadow form or a little black shadow form or there's a possibility that they have these little creatures looking in the windows or they feel that, you know, something was in and then it disappears, I take all that into consideration because parallels are so strong into the circumstances and sometimes it's difficult uh, to be able to exactly distinguish uh, between what could be happening, what might not be happening. One of the funniest stories, I think, you know, when it comes into dealing with Bigfoot, even though I'm going a little off there, we went to go investigate this uh, case, and the people insisted it was Bigfoot. The aliens had brought Bigfoot onto their property, and Bigfoot was hiding in the bushes, and it had babies. Now, you know, you, you, we all have to take these stories and deal with them and try and figure out what we're dealing with, what we're not dealing with. Again, yeah, yeah. there's such a, a thin line between the different parallels, if you will. Mm. Uh, I take I take all of these things into consideration when investigating and getting involved. So to say that I've investigated cases that might have, you know, been alien encounters, absolutely. I would never rule it out. Do you think that maybe we we try to see things from our own point of view to the point where we put labels that we can understand on phenomena that maybe we don't understand. You know, oh, and we have that, to. Yeah. The, the crossover phenomena is, is the term, I guess, yeah. that's being used now from what, what, for what we're discussing. Yeah. I mean, again, we have to, we have to take it uh, uh, to a point where, you know, I, again, I, I take that stance on the fact that there's just so much we don't know. 
there's so much happening, you know, that just, you know, when you start weighing and you start looking at things, the possibilities. I always call it the possibilities. But for us, as people being involved with the, any part or any factor of, you know, this field, we have to keep that open mind to trying to discover things and to try and figure things out. Thus, as us to be able to rationalize things and being able to process them, I do feel that we need that there to be able to, you know, uh, be able to move forward, to be able to try and come up with some realistic explanations on why something could be occurring and happening. Now, when you carry on an investigation, um, do you, I suppose more typically it would be a house or a family involved Mm -hmm. in in your experience. Um, How far outside the house do you look? Do you, you the family, do you talk to relatives, do you talk to neighbors? Are there, uh, you know, you go out in the yard, that sort of thing, and uh, check out the area? How far, how far do you go? How far do you push the envelope? Dependent, how far do I push it? As far as I could push it. Good. Um, I like if that. I feel, you know, there's things or people that need to be talked to, um, people, which is very common, it's not an unusual. You know, I'm going in investigating a husband and wife, and they got three little kids, and you know, the the wife will say to me, my sister's witnessed all this stuff, or the husband will say, my best friend, you know, witnessed something. I want to talk to those people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that's where you get your best information on, you know, different things because that's a person on the outside looking in. And, you know, a lot of times when they say to me, yeah, I did see this happen, I did see it happen, you know, I experienced this or that, but I don't know what it is. To me, that's still credible. Mm-hmm. That's still giving me some additional information. Um, do I think it's important uh, to find out and research into history of land? Absolutely. But, you know, a funny thing with me is always as soon as somebody says to me, my house is built on an ancient Indian burial ground. And my response always is, all of our houses are. Mm. You know? yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Right. that's a good I, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you know, there's... Discoveries continuous no matter where you are, you know, uh, to Native American, you know, having a campsite or a ritual site or something. So, again, you know, that that's a given. I, I, I don't look at that as anything spectacular because, again, you know, I live on the coastline. You know, Native mm-hmm. American lived all along up here. So something gets discovered that's not going to shock me and that's not, you know, Something that I would say necessarily would cause a haunting. Yeah, okay. Well, it's time for a mid-show break with that. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley. Uh, and we're talking with our wonderful guest, John Zaffis, legend of the paranormal. We'll be right back, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. 
Wanna take a ride? O-N Radio. And welcome back to WON Radio and Behind the Paranormal with our guest today, John Zaffis. Ben, why don't we move on to the second of Peter Shelley's questions yes. all the way from South America. We did not forget you, Peter. Um, so the second question is, have you, uh, and have you discovered any evidence that uh, government agencies are interested in your work? For example, contacts by Men in Black and so on. Yes. Hmm. Uh, years ago. Year, uh, years ago, uh, we had a, a team that uh, came out to, and I thought it was for a documentary, uh, you know, for a TV show or something like that. And, you know, there were five of them, and they were interviewing. And, again, anybody could tell when somebody's in the service, no matter what branch of the military right. it is. They just have that MO, <laughs> yes, sir, the stance, yep. everything. And I'm sitting there, and a lot of the questions they were asking and everything, I went, okay, what, what's this all about? And, you know, again, they wouldn't say too much to me, but they were saying they were trying to put together a little training session for a lot of the different branches of the military, you know, to be able to look at things from the supernatural level, level, UFOlogy, EVPs, all these different things. Well, uh, later down the road, I was talking to one of... Uh, my mutual friends, and we got talking, and she started telling me about how she was interviewed and everything, and, she, and I said to her, I said, I still swear that was for the military. She goes, John, it was. I said, are you kidding me? She said, no. I said, I couldn't get it out of them. I said, they would just tell me that was for training and blah, 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 towards the end and everything, and thanks for, for participating in it. So, again, you know, with that, that made me take another look at things. And that's got to be a good 20 years ago that that transpired and happened, that, you know, so many different branches of our military, you know, investigate into things, uh, the phenomena that transpires from everything we get involved with uh, right across the board. That made me look at it and respect it a little differently that uh, they deal so much with it. And then again, I take it a step farther. I can't tell you how many, you know, soldiers, uh, Navy men, how many people I've dealt with that have had experiences when they were in different countries with different things and it really affected them. And I can't rule out the fact that, uh, you know, some of these things occurred and some of these things happened with them. Wow. Okay, and we have a third question for Peter. We do, and that question is... As soon as I hit the right switch, have you discovered any technology that can convincingly simulate paranormal phenomena? For example, advanced hologram type technology. I'm very old world. Is one of the the best ways I can describe it to you. When it comes to technology, I am so fascinated. I love what they're creating out there. The things that they're developing. Um, I'm just amazed by it. And one of the key things I think that's so important in our field is that, you know, somebody will say to me, well, you know, I went out and investigated, John, but I didn't get any scientific proof. What scientific proof? Exactly. Yeah, we can't get repeatability, and that's what we need, you know, to be able to prove things out. But, I, you know, again, uh, I'm intrigued. 
I'm hoping, you know, somewhere uh, down the road that we could get that repeatability to be able to prove things out. Because let's face facts, a lot of the stuff that we use and everything are, you know, uh, pieces of equipment that people look for, you know, ozone in a, <laughs> in a room or, you know, electrical hotspots and different mm-hmm. things of that nature. So, again, um, I think those things are important. I think they're elements that affect our, our field. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. You know, again, I think a lot of the uh, what people refer to as, quote, unquote, hot spots is there, you know, I believe very strongly in the ley lines. You know, uh, very good friends of mine that have plotted a lot of that stuff out. I can't rule any of that stuff out. Are there hot spots? Yeah. So there, there, there's just those types of things that I'm intrigued by. Okay, good example. I'm very fascinated by the Skinwalker Ranch uh, TV special that's been on mm. with the amount of equipment. They have scientists involved with that. They engineers. I mean, that intrigues me because they're all looking and they're searching to be able to prove or disprove things out, and that's what we need. There's actually a really interesting um thing that's happening in the scientific world now and it, it's referred to as the the repeatability deficit where we're we're having problems getting repeatability in anything and a great example of this is with coffee right you know you you flip on coffee? the yeah the daily news right. you flip on the daily news you know you'll see something that's like oh you know there's a new study comes out coffee's good for you drink three cups a day and then the next day they're like <laughs> oh a new study comes out you know coffee's bad for you stop drinking coffee it's because we're having such a problem with getting any sort of repeatability because there's so many variables in every experiment that you just can't you can't comprehend and then you have you know competing groups that are getting grants for certain things and they're you know like oh we'll give you money if you say this is true and it's 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 really horrible actually because <laughs> now this Oh it is. Yeah. It is. I I I I'm sitting here listening to what you are saying and I cannot disagree with you. Okay, that takes me back why I said to you earlier, that's why I'm still so old world with certain things. Mm. Because, again, there's, we can't prove or disprove certain things, but they occur. Mm. They happen. And yet, here we are in you know, uh, 2021, and we still, you know, we have these arguments on going on. What's good for us? What isn't good for us? Do this, do that, don't do that. Ah, you don't know what to think on, uh, you know, a lot of the things. But what, like I said, what fascinates me more than anything is just knowing uh, a few individuals that are developing, you know, a lot of paranormal equipment out there and still digging in there, trying to be able to get those things and to get those bugs out, so to speak, to be able to get that repeatability. But, you know, again, we, we live in a world where we, we, we try to comprehend and try to understand. You know, from day to day, they get us so confused. We don't know what to believe, what's, what's true, what's not true, what happened, what didn't happen. I'm a big coffee drinker myself. Yeah, One day it's good for you. One day it's bad for you. Don't drink it. Drink more. Yeah, blah, blah. You don't know. So, you know, again, one of the old key things that I, uh, is very reliable to me, I'm a walker. I walk and walk and walk because it helps Excellent. to clear my mind. Yeah. I think it helps to, 
you know, keep me going, you know, to an old method, but, you know, it's something that, that I stand by. Then I come in and have a cup of coffee. Oh, that, that's <laughs> absolutely right. Absolutely right. Now, so speaking of the, uh, the, the gear that we have, because we live in a society where everybody's drunk with technology, right? You know, we just rely on it for everything. What is your opinion of how, um, well, you know, when you and I started out, John, very few people were doing this. As a matter of fact, sometimes you're reluctant to talk about it. People might think you think you were a fruitcake. Mm. There was, uh, you know, your aunt and uncle. There, there was um, maybe Richard Sennett, maybe uh, there's certainly Hans Holzer. There are people of, the, of that uh, yeah. uh, in that that era. And uh, but today, you know, you sit on the street corner and you throw pebbles. You're going to hit ten people who are ghost hunters. You know. Well, what's your opinion of the, the pop ghost hunting that's going on today? People just sort of read a couple of books, hopefully by us or you, and then still, you know, they kind of appoint themselves and they go out and do this, and then they get in the paper and all this. Do you think is that good for this field? What's your opinion on how that's developed? That's like a time bomb getting ready to go off. That's what I think. Oh, I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. I understand the curiosity. I understand, you know, people's, um, again, all right, we go right back to we live in a society. Everybody wants everything one, two, three today. Right. Mm. You know, Paul, I still enjoy sitting down reading a hardcover book. Oh, me too. I, I cannot sit and read something off of a Kindle. If I'm sitting reading something off of the screen, it drives, you know, but then again, I know we have to advance. I know we have to move forward. Okay. But today, you know, uh, in interacting and dealing uh, with a lot of it, somebody can go out and capture an EVP. They, you know, they'll get a a glob or something. And next thing you know, they're on the Internet. They got their TV show going. They're they're auditioning for the, the next big hit on a paranormal TV show out there. I mean, it, it's just mind-boggling because there's no fundamentals. Mm-hmm. There, there's nothing. There. What happened to going out and experiencing things? What happened with sitting down with talking to all the old gurus? I enjoy that. I love that. You know, uh, there's information in these people's minds here. You know, uh, Edison, uh, uh, um, you know, all these people that were involved with trying to discover some of this stuff, I would do anything to have an opportunity to sit down with those guys and be able to uh, tap into what they knew. What did they learn? What did Tesla, what did they break through that sent them so far off course that we don't understand? I mean, I still look at all that stuff. Now, you say yeah. Tesla and Edison and everything, and these kids today will look at you and go, what is he talking about? You know, mm. But again, it, that, that's where we're at today. You know, and I, I try to take it all in strive. I try to comprehend it because it's the world we live in. I can't change it. You have to be careful. You say certain things. You do certain things. And you just have this whole world that will come down on you. Yeah, it, Again, it's just that to me, I take the back seat with a lot of things because, you know what? I might not know the clear-cut answer. It might change tomorrow on something, I think, or the philosophies I look at things, but that's okay. 
That's okay. That's how we learn. That's how we gain gain the knowledge. So when I say I'm still old world, I still I still do my interviews with my cassette recorder. I never stopped. Really? I've never stopped. I still do it to this day. You know, so it, I, I find that sometimes when you go back and listen to that, you can pick up things, you know, in the background of it, you know, that are so cool and still so interesting. You know, do I walk around just taking pictures randomly, hoping I might capture something? Yeah. Ooh, do I feel creeped out in this area and I'll snap pictures? Yeah. I, I'm very still in that, you know, old world time framing, uh, Paul, I think that people are missing, they're missing the opportunity. They're missing that opportunity to experience something. Mm. Whether you want to call it supernatural or not, I, it doesn't matter to me, but you, too many people are missing that opportunity to experience something, to witness something, because everybody's so gun ho I'm making sure there's 50 cameras set up, there's right. this set up, that is set up, and everything is set up. By the time they get done doing that, they could have missed that whole experience that's, of what was occurring or what was happening. That's really interesting now, that you say that. I, okay, but yeah. i got to go on the flip end of it. Uh. Okay, here's the flip end of it. You know, with all the cameras that are out there and all the different sensors and everything, do they have that golden opportunity of capturing something, yes, but that personal element is removed at that point. Hmm. No, that's that's really interesting that 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 you that you bring that up. Um, it, it it makes me think there's a there's a dialogue between Plato and Socrates, where they're they're discussing um, the Egyptian god Horus, and and Horus mm-hmm. was was the god of writing. And uh, he brought writing to the Egyptians, and Plato's like, "Oh, this is great! You know, we can we can write everything down, and you know, we'll 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 have the ability to to remember stuff." And Socrates was like, "Well, you know, that's great and all, but if we have to write everything down, then we'll forget everything." And it's it, it brings up this really sort of double-edged sword of when you introduce more technology into things. Yes. We, we expand our, our power and our abilities into, into probing these unknown realms, but you lose something in that and you lose the focus, which is the experience, right? You know, we're, we're investigating the, the experience yes. of the paranormal. You know, you can get lost in, oh, well, there's this EMF reading and, you know, the, we, we got this video, we got these EVPs, and it's like, okay, well, where, where, is, the, where is the person in that? Where, where? <laughs> You're absolutely right. Where, where is the human element? The human element at that point is taken out. There's this funny story I love to to share. Please. And okay, we were at Rolling uh, um, uh, Waverly, and this is many years ago. Now, to me, shadow people are interesting. Why? We don't know what they are. We still don't know what shadow people are. Okay, and they dart in and out real quick. I was up on this one level. I was with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And she was standing there, and she looked at me. She goes, John, look. And I'm looking down the hallway, and I see these little things darting back and forth, right? And I'm like, Ro, is that shadow people? And she goes, I think so, John. And, you know, I'm standing there, and I'm looking and everything, and I'm 
going, okay, are we hallucinating or is it? I go, nah, Roe isn't a hallucinator. She wasn't one to, uh, no, just, anyways, was. no, Claire cut, you know, that Roe was Roe, right? Yeah. And I went, whoa, I said, I got to go see. And I got up so fast and she's going, no, no, no. And I'm going down into the abyss because oh. I want to see what these shadow people are all about. And I came back, and I go, Roe. Yes, John. I go, they disappeared. She goes, of course they did. You just chased them away. She said, you can't, you can't go up to shadow people because we don't know. They don't, we don't know if they want to be around us or not. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at her, and I go, but Roe, what if we were able to touch them? She turned and looked at me. She shook her head. She goes, As usual, John, you are one of the most complicated people I've ever met in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, that was funny. I wish I'd had the chance to work with her the way you did. But uh, one of the things that really steams my clams, John, probably yours too, is when you see somebody's Facebook page or website and they've been maybe in the field for 15, 20 years, maybe a little longer, and they say, well, I've done thousands of cases. Well, how much time do you, I mean, you, like in your case, you probably have, but how many, how many, uh, how, how much time do you spend on those cases uh, when they're saying thousands? I mean, we've been working on one. Matter of fact, you live at the edge of the flap area, as we call it, uh, in the Torrington, Goshen, Litchfield, Connecticut area for 15 or 16 years. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, not, we're nowhere near done. So, I mean, what's your opinion on that sort of thing, people making these claims? And how long do you typically spend on a case? Well, uh, it, could, it could depend on the, um, the circumstances uh, with me getting involved with something. Um, you know, a lot of times if, you know, I got involved, did everything I needed to do, was able to lay out the floor plan, so to speak, what needs to be done. A lot of times, well, and especially today, Paul, with clergy friends of mine that I've been friends with with years, as you know, a lot of them don't like to be out in the forefront. They don't want to be involved with no, all no. the hoopaloo. They don't. And to this day, I respect that. I'll call them up and I'll go, hey, you know, Padre, okay, I think this is legit. This is your parishioner. I think there's things going, you know, or vice versa. They'll call me up and they'll say, John, do me a favor. Just check it out, you know, and see if it's real. I back off of those situations. Okay, there's other situations. People aren't religious or anything like that. I want to go in, see, you know, what's going on, what is happening. So, you know, can I spend an overnighter? Do I spend literally weeks in homes anymore? No, I don't do things like that anymore. Can I go to a place, you know, in, in two or three hours and say, okay, you know, it's a good possibility we got we got something happening? To me, it depends on circumstances. It depends on what's involved with it. If we're dealing with children that might be involved with it, that I'll look at a little bit differently in comparison, you know, to uh, other circumstances. So it's right across the board. But one thing I did find out, and, Paul, I think you'll find this interesting, that when people start talking today that have been in the paranormal, you know, five, six, seven years, oh, I've been involved with thousands of cases. What are they looking at? Okay, they're going by doing something online, doing an email, yep. talking to somebody on a telephone, and they take that and <coughs> excuse me and credit that 
as being involved with an investigation. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, I I look at that and try to understand that and go, okay, you know, that's a very thin line. Again, did they get involved with the, an investigation just responding back and forth on an email? Technically, yeah. Technically, you know, they they could have been involved with it. So again, you know, it, it's all these quirky things that you know we look at and. Gosh, you know, we understand. You know, I often just take that step back and I look back at it, you know, in the 80s and the 90s especially. You know, uh, just watching the amount of groups that would go in and out, in and out, in and out. The oh, people yeah. that would be involved with uh, dealing with that in Lorraine. At any given time, they could have had six or seven different groups of people out investigating. How I was always intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it would be, you know, when you would get together at their house, then, you know, you would do what today we call the big reveal, and you'd be sitting talking about what happened, what didn't happen. So, you know, I, that's a big element that's missing in our field today with the people getting together and uh, having those uh, fireside chats and the kumbaya moment <laughs> of figuring out yeah. whether uh, you were dealing with something paranormal or you were dealing with something that, you know, the people were just off the wall. Exactly. John, we're almost out of time here, so please tell us about your books, your website, where people can find out more. Well, uh, uh, the best way uh, to get a hold of me is johnzaffis.com. I have a a site up there, a bookstore up there with uh, several of the books that are being done. We're just about completing uh, book number five and um, uh, with Debbie and Larry Elward. Um, I wish I could tell you the title of it, but I can't even remember it. I know Debbie came up with one already. But I kind of like the twist that uh, Debbie has been putting on with uh, telling some of uh, our adventures and our stories in cases we've been working on. So it's been, uh, you know, the the struggle within, uh, again, you know, some of these different uh, titles and some of these things, what lurks within uh, is the... The, the book I did with Debbie and Larry. But anyhow, uh, again, um, they're all intriguing. They're all interesting. And, uh, you know, that would be the best place to be able to find them and to find me, my email. And uh, any way to get a hold of me is uh, literally on there. Yes, I'm one of those crazy old people that still has a landline. <laughs> I prefer to sit here and talk on the telephone versus doing an email. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish we had more time. We could keep working on your memory. You might remember that show we did 23 years ago. But but in any case, it's it's always a wonderful, fun experience to talk with you, and we'll be talking to you off the air. Thanks so much. Okay. All right. Thank you for having me on. Okay, very good. And let's get to our announcements, Ben. Yes, we have we have a plethora of announcements, and we'll we'll start with on Tuesday, September twenty first. My dad will present a program on UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts uh, via Zoom to uh, mainline UF uh, the mainline MUFON in Philadelphia. Uh, you can check out mainlinemufon.com. On Friday, October 8th, I'll present a paranormal overview at a somewhat unlikely venue, the Arizona Dowsers Conference at the Little America Hotel in Flagstaff. So visit DowsersSouthwest.com for more information. 
And we'll present once again at the Western Connecticut UFO Conference during the last week of October this year. On Sunday, the 24th, uh, we'll do a live simulcast with the conference. Uh, this will be an open-line show format with Kathleen Martin taking questions from conference participants and our global audience on the uh, Betty and Barney Hill abduction case, of which uh, 2021 is the 60th anniversary. And on the following Saturday, COVID, uh, COVID variants permitting, uh, we'll present live at the Danbury, Connecticut Public Library to wrap up the conference. And other speakers uh, that week will include Mark D'Antonio, Tom Reed, uh, Michael Scratt, Linda Zimmerman, and Mike Panicello from Connecticut MUFON. Uh, after years of tech problems uh, bordering on the supernatural, all regular recorded radio broadcasts of Behind the Paranormal from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WOO and AM and FM have been restored in the archives at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, also fully restored are the Return to Rendlesham series from 2010 to 2011 on CBS Radio and all related shows along with the Achieve Radio monthly two-hour specials from 2009. All this obscure stuff is all available. Mm. Uh, still working on restoring other special shows, podcasts, and interviews, but that will be done soon. You can also hear many of these broadcasts on major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. In addition, our show now has its own app. It's not much, it's bare bones, but it is free. What do you want for nothing, right? Uh, right now, it just has most of our past shows, but we plan uh, to add features as we go. It should be in the Apple and Google stores soon. And with the hoops you have to jump through, you know, Einstein wouldn't believe it. Well, I just want to make sure that you're, you're not some... Well, some they think you're going to sell it, so they're going to tax stuff and all that. But anyway, there's a link at BehindTheParanormal.com. It does work, and if you'd like to donate to, to uh, download it now, you can do so. Yeah, fair enough. And you can check out our books along with those of our guest co-hosts at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can also find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and how to book us, along with some of our 900-plus free recorded shows, now restored, as my dad mentioned earlier. Okay. Uh, our website has a charity page, and I'm thinking now, too, of, of this terrible earthquake, another one in, in Haiti, now, I've been to Haiti. I've, uh, I've seen the poverty there, and, and uh, I'm connected with uh, one of the orphanages where the children lost their parents in the 2010 earthquake. Mm. Many of them are growing up now, but, I mean, I hope that this that hasn't created more. This horrible. So, please, whatever you can do, we're, we're going to find it's happened so recently. We haven't put up a charity yet about that, but we do have Helping Haiti's Orphans as one of our charities, and uh, please, uh, please check that out. I know the people who run that charity, and the money goes where it should. So check that out, please. We also have USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in, in uh, Hebrew, Massachusetts, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and several other sisterhood of Ground Zero, and the Milk Fund here in Northern Rhode Island. Don't forget the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. Exactly. Uh, what do we have cooking for next week there, Ben? Well, next week, that's August 22nd, um, we just blasting through August, huh? Um, we'll bring you an open line show on many paranormal subjects. Uh, really anything you'd like to dis- anything you would like to discuss. Uh, you can join. Yeah, joining us will be uh, special guest co-host Tim Schwartz. Um, and uh, you can get uh, questions to us at behind the or Paul at behindtheparanormal dot com or or via Facebook as well via our Facebook page. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. What's what's the quote okay. for this week, Dad? Well, we leave you today with a deep quotation from everyone's favorite 13th century Persian theologian, Rumi, which might require a little thought. Quote, if you are irritated by every rub, how will your mirror be polished? Unquote. 
I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.